Real news. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is the 17th of July, 2020. And here we were just uh, last week, I believe. And I said, hey, you know, it's going to be up until Labor Day, about eight weeks. And as I've been saying for a couple of months to all my listeners, what is going to happen in the summer? is going to blow our minds. There's going to be so much happening and we're not going to know what to do. I, and I, and I had said, I, if I remembered history correctly, that this was a period of time of chaos, of chaos that just causes one to think, is this reality? Is this for real? This cannot be for real. Yet, everywhere we look, on any news channel, all we see is confusion. All we see is obfuscation. And what I see is a repeat. They keep repeating the same playbook. No ingenuity. I mean, yesterday, I saw that Twitter put out... um, uh, what was the statement? Oh, only 130 accounts. And I'm thinking, stop. Why that number? Why that specific number? That's not very um, original. Because if you remember, during the hack that supposedly happened of the passports, they said, Oh, Barack Hussein Obama, Hillary Clinton, McCain, and 130 celebrity uh, passport data and travel data were hacked. Then a couple of years ago, some hacker hacked 130 celebrities. It seems that for the celebrities, number 130 is quite important. Hmm. It's very interesting because they don't veer away from their usual numbers. I mean, symbology is a big deal for these people. Now, today, what do we have in the news? It seems like there's a bit of a dud. We're talking horoscopes with NASA. Oh, my gosh. Did you just add another Zodiac sign? Princess Beatrice, whose ovaries have probably shriveled, finally got married in a private ceremony. Okay, who cares? These are the things we want to look at. Uh, The only thing that's trending is Mercedes Schlapp, Eric Prince, and Zodiac signs. Now, people are talking about secret police being deployed in Portland, and they're attacking President Trump for that. It is an atrocity what we saw happen in Portland. But nonetheless, for some reason, we're supposed to accept it, and we're supposed to appreciate, what is it called? The um, changes. Another thing is, we have a new moon when it's not supposed to be a new moon, Uh So there's a lot of interesting events happening. But let's just look at the news because today I'm going to tell you little things that we should be looking at to understand where we're going with this pandemic. It's pretty frightful because if we go back to 2009 
and put the little pieces together, it's actually quite terrifying. And there I was in March making light-hearted comments with Millie Weaver on her channel about what was to come. And I quote, Hey, Millie, you know, if Hillary Clinton would have been president, you and me would have found ourselves in like a gulag, a prison together. And we'd know if we were the ones that were going to get cremated or go home just by looking around. And obviously, when I'd see Millie, I'd know exactly where I was headed to. Now, that's just a hint of what we're going to discuss because you're going to see it. And it's happening. And there are scientists nationwide cocking their heads thinking, what? Well, I'm a first responder, so I'm not disposable. Heed this correct. This is very scary. And if you remember, uh, on Tory Says, uh, Haley Kennington, who is an amazing human being, wrote the lockstep article. You, you You need to read it. And I've been writing a few things in regards to this pandemic, but today I'm going to walk you through the plan because it's all there. We're just not seeing it. So let's hit the current events quickly, the things that we should care about, yes, and um, then move it along. And most of it is going to be surrounding, uh, you know, this pandemic and uh, what they're planning and how they're doing. So... I want you guys to hold on to your seats because it's, uh, it's going to get pretty crazy. So let's first take a look at uh, the report from um, News Business, Fox Business. I like them better than regular Fox. Okay, one moment. Let's get this going so you can – well, yeah, she – the reason we're going to play her is first we have AG Barr slamming U.S. companies doing business with China. So this is quite important because I, as I mentioned in a tweet and I've been mentioning for years now, no one is paying attention to the little states. I said this in 2015, obviously, with my personal Twitter account that no longer exists, uh, that what President Trump's administration has to do is focus on, focus on the peripheries. The peripheries means you're out, you know, not your central nervous system, but your hands and feet, your appendages, which are the states. See, no one pays attention to what the states are doing. Can you see today just how important it is? And specifically the state of North Dakota. The governor there not only is a Microsoft exec, not only is in bed with Gates, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> uh, but he also created the program, the app for, for, for tracing you, for contact tracing that now has been deployed through the health, app, health apps on uh, Android and Apple devices. In addition, uh, that state has been tasked and is one of the leading states in actual drone technology and drones measuring temperature and identifying people that are sick have been deployed. They're the first ones. In addition to that, all assets of the state, and remember, North Dakota is a state that is uh, quite independent. They have a lot of money. Well, the books say they have a lot of money. Question is, 
is that money still there? Well, they invested everything in China. And Governor Burgum, the governor of North Dakota, was on that Chinese list that Secretary Pompeo talked about, and he was considered friendly. And the tribes, the Dakota Access Pipeline, do you see it? And it is the only state in our nation with a very specific flag. Take a look at their flag. And take a look at the statement on the flag. Very different to every other state flag. It says, of many, now one. Isn't that the motto of the United States? Wait. Oh, and in that state, the center of the North American continent is located there. I mean, now that you see all these pieces, you're like, well, wait a minute. That's pretty interesting. Hmm. It's going to get a lot more interesting. Listen to what Attorney General Barr says about U.S. companies doing business with China. Big tech, Attorney General Bill Barr slamming American companies yesterday that are doing business with China, trying to get profit before understanding the national security risks. He calls them pawns of Chinese influence. The ultimate ambition of China's rulers isn't to trade with the United States. It is to raid the United States. If you are an American business leader, appeasing the PRC may bring short-term rewards. But in the end, the PRC's goal is to replace you. And of course, this is something you heard here first when I interviewed the Attorney General about this exact subject last month. Can you tell me a bit about what the CCP is doing? I know there's been a real rethinking of the relationship between the United States and China, and there have been professors indicted, a professor at Harvard who is getting money from Harvard, but also getting money from the CCP. Walk us through what the Chinese Communist Party is doing. In the last decade or so, China has been putting on a great push to supplant us explicitly. They want to be the leader in all the future technologies that are going to dominate uh, the economy. I think this is a uh, this is a competition for the future. They haven't been competing fairly, and the president has confronted this when no one else has. And the American business community has been a big part of the problem, because they're willing, ultimately, many of them, to sacrifice the long-term viability of their com- companies for short-term profit. Well, I was talking with one money manager the other day, and he said, look, Marie, I'm not going to call good good guys and bad guys. It's not my role to call out good guys and bad guys. So, yeah, the growth is in China, and that's where I want to invest. Well, you know what? We're not speaking German today because the American business in the past didn't think that way. Joining me right now is the managing director of the Herbold Group and former chief operating officer at Microsoft, Bob Herbold. Bob, it is great to have you back here. What do you make of the AG's comments there that China and the CCP does not want to trade with your company? They want to raid your company. Well, he's very aggressive here in terms of uh, his attack on. uh... Oops, let's stop right there. So what did Barr say? He said, if you do business with China, in the end, they're going to raid your company. They're going to own it, right? And that is true. Let's remember that they have 20% of the global population just within their borders. If you notice, North Korea 
as yesterday as I was trying to explain, and we actually ran out of time. I was trying to show you the similarities between how the Berlin Wall fell and how the wall or the border on the Korean Peninsula is now falling. Very similar. And for some reason, it seems that those that cry for democracy and acceptance and everything and open borders are the ones trying to maintain it. And what one has to ask themselves is, why? Now, months, well, it was actually in 2019, in February, I believe, I uh, told my listeners that North Korea's weapons, those short range and everything, they're not getting them from Iran directly. They're getting them from Ukraine. And you know, lo and behold, yesterday a story comes out. Oh, dear. Uh, Ukraine. No, duh. We, again, as, as you saw through history, and we created North Korea. We gave it to the Soviets, right? We gave it to the Soviets. And the Chinese have had great hold on North Korea. And as you also see, his sister is coming into the picture because Kim Jong-un is no longer with us. So one has to wonder what's really going on. What's really going on is that China is now enforcing to take back their territory. They have open fronts everywhere. Hong Kong, Taiwan, Pakistan. They're pushing up into Mongolia and some Russian borders. Now, with Russia, they're a little bit careful because even it's the same thing as in Iran. Remember how I've explained many, many times the IRGC was actually installed by Peter Strzok's father and Stanley Ann Dunham, which was a Petri dish, Barack Hussein Obama's supposed mother or the CIA agent that was tasked to raise him. So here we are at the same position Within China, there are people that wish to liberate the Chinese. And when you say liberate, it can be used in many forms. But think about it. Liberate from who? Whom? That's what you have to think about. Now, listen to what this man has to say about Attorney General Barr pretty much saying they will raid you. U.S.-based uh, multinationals. Uh, it really brings the heart of the question to the table, which is what is a multinational corporation? Uh, normally, in the past, you've uh, abided by the laws of the country, and you've abided by the laws that, uh, that uh, uh, you believe are, are sound. Uh, if they get really oppressive, you would uh, you would back off. You also uh, are concerned. Yeah, so he's pretty much saying nothing, just defending the fact that, hey, they're making us money. No, duh. 20% of the population is there. Now, I saw a comment fly by. Oh, I like that. The U.S. created North Korea. Actually, we did. Um, Johnny, uh, yesterday I did a whole show indicating that the border of North and South Korea was discussed without any Koreans present between the United States, England and Russia. And they decided we are going to draw the line. And the people that drew the line were military, were generals. It is so 
hard to find non-power hungry generals. I guess we only have one uh, at the moment that is a public figure. We have a lot of lieutenant generals out there and generals, but General Flynn (laughs) is an honorable one. He actually believes in what? Defending the people, not the ruler. The ruler is the problem. So we have to understand that China was created by the U.S. We separated the Korean Peninsula. We allowed the communists, the Soviets, communists, whatever you want to call them, to penetrate the Chinese. And even though our Senate had, ha- had, had passed a bill and the House had ha- passed it, it was sealed and signed to give them weapons and money to defend themselves against the communists. We embargoed it and let them become communists. The nationalists were begging the United States for help and we let them down. So, you know, we created it. This is our history. We own it. So, you know, North Korea, it was really unfortunate what happened to those people, to the Koreans, putting brothers against brothers. The same thing that we saw on a smaller scale, because it wasn't a whole nation, in, in Ukraine, where Barack Hussein Obama deployed National Guardsmen from California and New York because one thing people don't pay attention to is that the National Guard has dedicated cities that they're employed to come in as like a foster army. And those two groups that were deployed were the ones that started the riots, the ones that started fighting, pretending they were uh, pro-Russia, against Russia, etc. This is why they were up in flames. We used the Ukraine as our playground. (laughs) We hijacked their reality so hard, they don't even know who they are anymore. We should be ashamed because we're at fault. We voted these people in. We elected them. We allowed them. And you know why? Because we were too busy. We were distracted. So while we're all distracted with all this, you know, COVID, there's so much going on and we're not paying attention. And even with this, you know, pandemic going around, We're not even paying attention to those details. All of us are more worried about the fact that the numbers are skewed. Correct. We're worried about vaccines. Correct. We should be worried, but that shouldn't be your concern. Your concern should be, man, we need to make sure President Trump stays in because today what you're about to hear is going to terrify you. Because just like I demonstrated yesterday, It was actually Roosevelt in, you know, 1905 that had the plan to split the Korean Peninsula in two. He did that 40 years before Truman, the UK and Stalin got together and said, all right, we're doing it. And then we sent two generals who were like, well, there's no natural line. We'll just do it right here on the 38th parallel. We're good. We'll give them that and they'll get that and we're good to go. So we decided the fate of another nation because that's how arrogant they are. And it's not us. See, we Americans do not do not like that. Do not promote that. Nobody made us the referee of the world. And God forbid that we are in charge and people's lives, borders, culture, religion are at our mercy. No one 
should ever have that power. And this is why the Declaration of Independence and the rights that were afforded to us, not unalienated rights, like Pompeo said, like, what is he doing? That's, we're not international citizens. We are U.S. citizens. That's going to be another topic, probably tonight, because I asked my subscribers on Subscribestar if I should maybe do a weekly recap where I can actually have you guys join in and patch you into the feed and we can have a discussion or ask a question and, um, you know, kind of have recaps. Maybe we should talk about that because we should. The deep state department is very concerning. Now, continuing on to this, I want you guys to listen to how they are trying to sell this to you, because then you'll understand how China was so important. This is why I told you guys in, the, in that New Year's episode, China and AI, it's actually titled like that. Was it 2019 New Year's that I did that? I think. Or was it 2018? I think it was the 2018 going into 2019, right? Not 2019 going into 2020, I, I believe. I'll, I'll look it up and I'll post it on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, but if you go to Simplecast uh, or go through iTunes or iHeart, you, you could probably find just just put in for January 1st uh, and or, or December 31st, uh, 2018, 2019, and you'll find it because I, I already told you that this was a problem. I already told you how AI is being weaponized against us and how important China is. Uh, so this is this is very important now. And let me just continue this before we dive into the more morbid details. Consistent with the culture of that particular country, if you want to really do business. So this smacks of uh, getting right into these issues of those judgments on the acceptability of certain cultural mores, you know, versus how we operate. And if China looks at uh, the food fight that happens every day between politicians and they say that's uh, ridiculous and we look at them and say, you know, scolding people for, in fact, uh, violating uh, 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 the principles of how uh, China wants to operate, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very controversial. But, but, Bob, look, you are the former chief operating officer of Microsoft, so you've seen some of this firsthand. I think I've told you in the past when you've joined me that uh, Steve Ballmer joined me, uh, the former CEO at Microsoft, and told me that the Chinese Communist Party had been stealing trade secrets from Microsoft for years, costing Microsoft tens of billions of dollars. I understand about going into a country operating under that country's rules, but do you have to be forced to go into a country and just give up all your trade secrets? Do you have to go in there and say, well, okay, I want to sell to 1.4 billion people, so yeah, here's our patents and here's how we do things. So ultimately that Chinese competitor will ultimately take over and, and be the number one, take your market share. I mean, that's the way China works. Okay. So I'm going to take you back into my personal time. Um, 2003 DSK, which is part of Deutsche Bank attempted to create something they call a China fund. China does not allow people or uh, how shall I say their companies to be traded or profited of uh, by other companies. So they created this uh, satellite office, which is called a sales rep. They're not allowed to have like a bona fide office. 
And what they're allowed to do is M&A, which is mergers and acquisitions, right? And to create sales revenue for the Chinese. Now, this fund has to have 98% Chinese companies that the government picks. Just so that you understand how much control China has, and you have to wonder, why did we allow them to have so much control? You're probably going to understand that better in the next coming two weeks because it's quite important. Now, in other news, um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg apparently has liver cancer. And how many of you remember me saying, boy, isn't it funny how... Ruth Bader Ginsburg always has seasonal cancer, isn't it? She gets it like at the end of the summer and then she's sick and undergoes therapy. This woman is more cancer than she is human. Yes. How many times has she every summer, take a look, she gets some form of cancer. (laughs) Uh, They cannot stop what's coming and they are furious, furious. So something else that made me furious is, uh, well, faux news, uh, a.k.a. Fox News, uh, who, yeah, yearly upgrade. There we go. Yes. Let me break before we shift gears, right? So that is correct. Ruth Bader Ginsburg getting a yearly upgrade. Forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. The time for empty talk is over. Now arrives the hour of action. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. Every decision will be made to benefit American workers and American families. America will start winning again, winning like never before. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. Do not allow anyone to tell you that it cannot be done. No challenge can match the heart and fight and spirit of America. We will not fail. Our country will thrive and prosper again. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. When America is united, America is totally unstoppable. After nearly four years, my family's nightmare is finally over. We couldn't have survived this without the love and support of the millions of patriots around the world. Thank you from the bottom of our heart. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Wouldn't it be horrible if we lived in a nation where journalists were silenced just because they confronted the political and media elite? You might think that could never happen in America, but it did. And to me. For confronting people like Hillary Clinton on her corruption and Ilhan Omar for her ties to radical Islamic terror groups, I have been banned on pretty much every single social media platform. And if that doesn't sound extreme enough, I'm also banned on Uber and Lyft. I know, I cannot understand that last one either. 
When this all happened to me, I contacted the media and members of Congress. I asked them for help. I kept calling, I kept emailing, but I never received a reply. And that's when it hit me. I'm a well-known journalist who has the phone numbers of the most powerful people in politics and media, yet I couldn't get any assistance. What on earth would the average American do if the same thing happened to them? I realized then that if I wanted to see change that I would need to run for office. The American people deserve representation that listens to and acts on their concerns. So here I am running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District because the American people deserve a voice and a representative who, like President Trump, will keep the promises they make and speak up loudly and clearly for that silent majority. Welcome back, everyone. So, uh, you know, we want to see Ruth Bader Ginsburg's tongue so we could see what's going on. I just wanted to say something. You know, I get a lot of messages from people saying people have done research and, uh, you know, Laura Loomer is this. Guys, do you know, have you ever heard of the Lincoln Project? Have you ever heard of that? Okay, let me let me tell you who the Lincoln Project is. It's a company that's supposedly dedicated to protecting Americans and protecting democracy. They're throwing all their money behind Joe Biden. They had a new advertisement, actually, uh, just uh, today that went out that was pretty interesting uh, that uh, indicates that Republicans, true Republicans, must indeed follow uh, the Lincoln Project. And they are targeting the swing states. Uh, Specifically, they're targeting uh, the state of Ohio. So I want you guys to look at their advertisement with me so you can see exactly, uh, you know, what what they're doing let me see if i can share my twitter feed just a second because it's pretty interesting uh and i'm going to tell you they have they have something called operation grant ohio is softening for trump and we see an opportunity we're joining forces with arvat 2020 to help ensure biden takes the buckeye state First, with a new ad push and then activating voters on the ground. Now, they would not have much trouble, actually, guys, to get there. Because here's the thing. In Cleveland, for example, and the rest of Ohio, the GOP is asleep. They do not answer messages. They do not organize. They do not hold any meetings. And the Lincoln Project, as you can see with this article, and I'm reading it out to those that are listening to me on the radio, have the Lincoln Project Super PAC is aligning with another group, Republican Voters Against Trump, for what they're calling Operation Grant. Now, you know, one of the founders of the Lincoln Project is actually Kellyanne Conway's husband, just so you know. So these people are trying to vacate... Our president, can you see the infiltration within the movement? So when you hear rumors of this and that, of this person and that person, I would suggest that you use your own criticism uh, and your own critique and your own objectivity. Uh, It is a pity 
that so many people are unable to use their own critique anymore. Uh, They lack the ability to trust their own gut. They listen to the big check marks, those with the big followings. And that's okay. And that's okay. Because you're no different than the left when you do. You should be able to use your own thought. And think of it this way. The person's tongue they wish to rip out the most is the one that is to cause them harm. (laughs) Operation Grant. Take a listen to this advertisement they put out. In America, today, more than 125,000 have died from a deadly virus Donald Trump ignored, praising China's response instead of heeding the warnings, then blaming them to cover his own failures. With the economy in shambles, more than 30 million Americans are out of work. The worst economy in decades. This afternoon, millions of Americans will apply for unemployment. And with their savings run out, many are giving up hope. Millions worry that a loved one won't survive COVID-19. There's mourning in America. And under the leadership of Donald Trump, Ohio is weaker and sicker and poorer. And now, Americans are asking, if we have another four years like this, will there even be an America? Paid for by the Lincoln Project, which is responsible for the content of this advertising. Huh. Which is responsible for this advertising. Why Ohio? You have to think, what's going on in Ohio? Well, if you go back to uh, shows that I did about William Barr... Where I had said in 2018, William Barr will not be confirmed, or if he is, it'll be sometime in February and March, and everyone called me insane. (laughs) I also said, oh, Flynn is not going to be sentenced. What are you talking about? They've already said it. He's going to be sent. He's never going to be held accountable. Yet I was mocked for that, too. Now, when I tell you about Ohio, I want you to think of Bill Barr, Mina, 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 Mina. So there were many states uh, that were incorporated in that. One of them was the state of Ohio, the Buckeye State, where our Chief Justice Roberts hmm, had residence for a long, long, long time. See, from Ohio, you can move across to Canada. And from Ohio... You can travel through other ways. Now, one would say, well, Philly had the... No, no, no. It is Ohio. So I want you guys to look at what areas they're targeting and what they're doing. In addition, we have more coming up. More, more. So, you know, Maisie Hirano with her, you know, chit-chat has to be very careful. I'll tell you why. So let's rewind to history again, where Japan supposedly attacked Pearl Harbor. Now, one thing people need to understand is that Japan also tried to take Hawaii, not because they wanted to defy the United States, because they were talking with the United States. Remember that we had struck a deal with Japan in 1905. The war, the bombings, everything was a show. Everything 
1905, Teddy Roosevelt had struck the deal that the Japanese would take South Korea and the Soviets the North. They had already decided in 1905 they were going to split them. They waited for World War II to end to actually accomplish it and send these two plunkers out there, these two generals, to, that knew nothing about the Korean Peninsula, nothing about the Koreans. And remember, 45 years in action, nobody asked the Koreans, what do you want to do? And so the bombing of Pearl Harbor was the Japanese reinforcing to the Americans you screw me over with this South Korea thing, we're going to have problems. And they wanted Hawaii. Now, why Hawaii? So Hawaii has been infected with communists and socialists for a very long time. Today, what was interesting is a uh, indictment was released where uh, the 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 uh, the Misk Enterprise, uh, Michael Misk, is one of uh, Junior. If you want to get technical, is a businessman, as they say. Well, here's where you see corruption unfold in this tiny, tiny place. The uh, district attorney, the prosecutor, uh, all of them involved. In one murder. And you know what happened during the Trump administration? This is why they didn't get away with it. And there was actually one police officer, one, by the name of Albert Lee, who was retaliated against. Check this out. He was charged with a DUI because his car crashed into a power plant, and the car was a police car, by the way. And they found him unconscious in the passenger seat. He wasn't driving the car, doesn't remember it, but in the passenger seat. And he was the one <laughs> that had arrested Mr. Michael Misk Jr. See, all of this is coming up, coming up, coming up. So while we're distracted with things, there's tons going on across the nation. Uh, you're going to be seeing it creeping up to the surface more so after the 20th of July. Like I said, after the 20th of July is where we're going to see things start to happen. But unfortunately, they're starting to pull the plug on RBG. So we're going to be distracted that way. See, they're always doing things like that. Now, we're going to talk pandemic, But before we get to pandemic, I want you to hear how, well, first of all, faux news put out a report today and I was really upset with this because the title of it is Kellyanne Conway toots Trump's coronavirus response despite surging cases. We're going to talk about this surge. We're going to talk about how this happened. I'm going to walk you through because, you know, I, I've, I've, I've made no hidden secret. You know, I went to medical school and everything. And I always, I, I put it as a habit just to keep my brain in tune and up to date. I get on the CME website and I, you know, take CME courses, which is continuing medical education, even though I don't practice and I'm not licensed as, as a physician. Uh, I, I still do that so that I'm still in the know. And, you know, you never know things might change, right? <laughs> um, so, I saw some weird things and we need to talk about it. I saw some things where we're training people that are not supposed to be hands-on with patients 
to be hands-on and for weird things. <laughs> and it all comes into full picture and focus. Now, just listen to this report. 837 in New York City, and we're back with a Fox News alert. The USA has shattered its daily record in COVID cases overnight, Brian. More than 77,000 new cases reported. That's 10,000 more cases than the previous record. 969 deaths were reported, the largest spike in over a month. Let's bring in Kellyanne Conway, the counselor to the president from the White House now. Kellyanne, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And what is it? Let's start first with your reaction to these new coronavirus cases uh, overnight in the numbers. Well, this is exactly why, Katie and Brian and Steve, that we continue to have the coronavirus task force talking about this dual medical and financial crisis that the country is facing that this president has been navigating for many months now. Um, I am told in the coronavirus task force, I sit right behind Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci most days when I can be in there, that we are surge, continue to surge supplies, ICU capacity, ventilators. Everybody who's needed a ventilator has gotten a ventilator. We continue to provide testing and the materials that these governors need in these hot spot surges. We did see an increase in about June 10th to 16th. It may be a lagging indicator from some of the Memorial Day activities when a lot of Americans just said, look, I've been in lockdown for many months. First official weekend of summer, I'm going to get out there. But I think the most important thing that people can do is what Admiral Jawar, our testing czar, and the Assistant Secretary for Health for the whole nation said as recently as yesterday, which is close the indoor bars and wear a mask. Uh, get our schools reopened as well. Don't let these kids suffer because everything is spiking up. Also, okay, so... She seems really dry. She seems really off her game. And she seems to be saying things she doesn't want to say. It's not the usually the usual Kellyanne that we see. And you'll understand why today. We had great news this week. As this president has led the effort to the most rapid and deepest monetary investment in vaccines and therapeutics on this issue, um, really in our nation's history, Dr. Fauci earlier this week said, this is great news that we had an initial test of 45 volunteers who had coronavirus mm -hmm. and they built up those antibodies in their bloodstream. On July 27th, next week, we'll go, we're going to have the test of 30,000 individuals and hopefully this will be another major leap forward to getting the type of vaccines that we all know will yeah. help to mitigate this damage. Okay, so let's just talk about that for a second. So every morning when I get up, I listen to the news. I have uh, a set program that I have Google pull me fake news and local news. So I heard that locally the clinic here uh, is looking for phase three uh, patients. You get uh, compensated with money to come and try out vaccines uh, for coronavirus. They give you coronavirus and then they give you a vaccine and they pay you very well. The targets, again, just like those blood banks and plasma harvesting companies, are those that are poor. Actually, outside my building, there's a lot of homeless people. And uh, one of the homeless guys uh, down there, you know, always, whenever he sees me walk out, he's like, hey, can I have a cigarette? And I give him one all the time. 
Well, when I when I saw him about a week and a half ago, I, I said, hey, you've been gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went and did like this. You know, they paid me really good money. And I was like, so, you know, did you go and move into a place? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, since I don't have a job and, you know, and I'm like, wait, so they gave you thousands of dollars and you're still sleeping homeless on the street? Like, what if someone robs you? He's like, oh, I put it in the bank and, uh, you know, I'm looking for a place. And I was like, well, maybe you should make use of that. And then he got sick. He's actually in the ICU. He was the phase two. He's in the ICU now. Again, predation on those that need the money. Those that would sacrifice themselves for people to play. The still that we see right now of Kellyanne's face tells you everything you need to know. Now, one thing is that the vaccine is made from blood-derived products. So, you know how you're going to get away with any mandatory vaccination? We're all going to convert to Jehovah Witnesses. That's what we're going to do. Because, you know, if they're like, you need to take this. Nope, nope, nope. I'm a Jehovah Witness. I do not take blood products from other people. Not happening. And I think that's the way that we can get away with not getting it. You know, I, I could tell them, hey, I'll tape myself knocking on doors if you want me to. But it is a blood-derived product. So this is from harvesting from people. So maybe we should all get suits and little Bibles and, you know, pretend that we're all Jehovah Witnesses and, you know, use that as our defense. Because this is um, a huge concern uh, for me. Uh, now, for the kids going back to school, her statements are great. We know that the majority of the children now, parents are a little bit more woke. <laughs> and they don't uh, hyper-vaccinate them. And that's a good thing because we're going to get into shedding. We're going to get into what exactly they want happening. So to open up the schools... Um, schools can mandate uh, certain therapeutics uh, based on state laws. And that's another thing we're going to be talking about. What do you mean state-specific COVID laws? How does that even happen? I'm telling you, this is so nefarious. It'll make you sick. But if you read the two articles that I have done on death panels on the Tory Says site, one that I did about Oregon passing that legislation and one just recently about the, um, you know, handicapped man that they let die. Uh, you'll understand. Well, absolutely. All of our fingers are crossed that uh, it comes sooner than later. But and Kellyanne, without a doubt, the administration is doing a lot. The federal government is completely mobilized. And yet, how do you explain why the president's numbers on polling with approval and disapproval are underwater when it comes to COVID? I mean, you look at the, the data uh, from public and private polling and Joe Biden actually beats the president on on COVID response. And Joe Biden's in the basement not doing anything. Well, that has benefited Joe Biden. The less Joe Biden is better for Joe Biden. I would note that in other polling, Joe Biden's negatives have increased because we've seen a little bit more of him. I thought he was running for president of the United States, but apparently he's running for governor of Pennsylvania. Because with one exception, he's not left Delaware or Pennsylvania in many, many months. And that is not the way somebody should be running for president of all 50 states. He should go out there, meet people, engage with them. Uh, but it does benefit him. Now, I will. I'm going to. Well, they haven't tidied up the makeup part yet. And that's the next topic we're going to get into, because I, I just want to talk a little bit about Hunter Biden uh, before this hour ends. Answer your question about why the president's numbers 
um, may be a little softer on the handling of coronavirus. My own view, which is different than some people here, is three things. One, the president's numbers were much higher when he was out there briefing everybody on a day-by-day -day basis mm -hmm. about the coronavirus, just giving people the information. They were out there every day when we had at some point, 2,500 deaths in one day at yep. the, the, the highest level, and I guess it was April or so, March and April. And the president and the task force were there most days giving the information. Um, I think the president should be doing that. There, I've, I've got some colleagues behind me who Why think Why do you that, stop? Well, I think some people are encouraging him to stop. He's got a task force. He has doctors and economists, and, of course, the vice president is leading the task force. But people want information, and this country followed instructions. They stayed inside. Yep. And socially distance, and became the teachers to their helping and to Kelly teach their Ann, kids. I think, and I think you're absolutely and I think right it about. Should be out there talking right, about it because. Okay, so we're going to stop right there. They want us to stop social distancing, uh, stop hiding, and get out there and do things, right? So here we go into uh, what I want to go into: face off with Hunter Biden. So one thing that I noticed is that the Biden campaign has invested a lot in digital arts and makeup. And here's where you're going to see why they are doing this. You're going to be quite impressed. Now, I'm going to tell you that this technology existed, uh, what is it? It's 2020 now. So 20, 20, 40 years ago. So guess where we're at now, right? So look at this interview. That's going to kind of make you cock your head and think, wait a minute, what? Here we go. How do I become a CIA agent? If, I, if I'm growing up, I'm saying one day I want to be a CIA agent, how do I do it? You know, most of the CIA people I met didn't grow up wanting to be one. They okay. all kind of, they came into it through all kinds of different doors. Um, the main motivation is a desire to serve your country. And they find very unique possibilities in working for the CIA. You're not working at GSA, you're not in the military, but you are supporting your country. Uh, you're making a difference. You're doing a job that hopefully matters. And uh, if you get the right job you, that is so slow and so mm, thorough that a lot of people just fall by the wayside. They can't wait. They can't wait that long. A year? Oh, it's one year. At least. Yeah. So, so I sit down, I do an interview. After that, there's about a year plus process of them accepting me. Very likely. It's, it's a year. What, what are some things they want to know about me? They want to know if you're um, if you're being sent by a foreign government. Or you could do just a couple of years in the military and then they'll pull you a couple of years or a couple of months in the military and they recruit you. No one really applies. So I want to fast forward to where she talks about what she did for a living. Let me get to it. Does she have the photo there? Let's see. I think this is my boss part. back then. I said, well, I can't tell you. Who, your husband was your boss back then. He wasn't my husband. He was just my boss. He was two tiers up, my boss. He said, tell me about that. I said, I can't tell you about it. You're not on the list. You know, I told him later, if I had known I was going to marry you years and years and years later, I would have maybe told you. <laughs> you told him that. I did. So do you trust him? Do you trust being married to a CIA agent? Like, because they know they're a pro like you as well. How do you handle that? That's really one of the key questions when you're working. Yeah. It's one of the real compliments you can give a colleague. You can say, I would work with you. I would work with you. You know, we go off to far-flung places and, and where there's, there's really no support and where everything you need, you have to have it with you. You have to pack that bag. You have to trust that person to, to have your back. Mm -hmm. It's a very symbiotic kind of relationship.
to say, I trust you, I would work with you, it's a big deal. We would lie for a living. Oh my God, let's take it to the White House. I said, I can't, it looks good, but I can't, you know, I can't really walk it and talk it. This is not realistic. It's just to show you the capability. He said, well, then go make one that you can wear. Okay, so here's where she's dis- uh, d- discussing her disguise that tricked a president. Just, just listen. Just listen. So we did. Uh, we made a second one that turned me into a younger, prettier, better coughed um, woman. I loved this mask. I, I wanted to take it home, when I, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> so... Uh, Judge Webster liked it, and he said, well, let's take it to the White House. I said, I don't have any idea. I have nothing. He said, don't worry. Just, you know, come with me. And so we did. I went to his house. Uh, I was met at the door by the judge and his dog. The dog didn't like me, barked at me incessantly. I went in the powder room. I put on the mask. I got everything right. Came out. Dog loved me. They say dogs don't like hats, but evidently dogs like masks. So we went to the White House. We got stuck outside of the old office because they were going long. And there was like a 10-minute period that was, I was a little paranoid. I'd never worn one of these masks before in public, and you get nervous. Nobody paid any attention, of course, Uh, so I relaxed. We went in the the Oval Office. There was a circle of us, Brent Scowcroft, Bob Gates, John Sununu, Judge Webster, me, and another briefer. And I went first. I was the first one. So I showed him some photographs of disguises we had done for him when he was chief of disguise. He said, you, you might remember these. He did. I said, so I'm here to show you the next level. He said, so show me. I said, well, I'm, I'm wearing it. And I'll, I'll take it off and show it to you. And he said, no, 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 don't take it off. And he got up. He came out. He walked and he looked. He went behind me. He's checking it out. He went back. He sat down. He said, take it off. So I just peeled off my face. John Sununu wasn't paying any attention to me because he was making notes. He was going to go next. Mm. He had some things he wanted to say to the president. He glanced up. He almost fell off his chair. He was a big big man and he he was startled. Um, Bush really liked it. Bush Bush was smiling. Uh, uh, So we talked a few minutes. It uh, It was a successful deployment. I was the first one to leave. I went out to play with the dog, Millie, and her puppies. And the White House photographer came out. She had been in the meeting, going around. So just so you understand, because we're going to the the radio station's break now for five minutes, uh, she tricked them with face makeup back then. It's 2020. Where's Hunter Biden? So I'll see you guys in just a bit, right after uh, this short break. And I want you to think, where is Hunter And why is he hanging out with the winners of Face Off?
real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So I got a lot of messages of people asking me to kind of elaborate on the CIA chief disguise officer where she was talking about the makeup. Remember, we are talking 40 years ago. 40 years ago. We are talking Biden's campaign team has thrown in tons of cash for makeup artists and for digital artists. So, yeah, let me just play a few, uh, just another minute so she can explain to you how this works. Jane taking pictures. She came out and said, what did you do? What was that? What was that? I said, I can't tell you. <laughs> she said it was classified. So it was a successful um, briefing. Um, Ten years later, I got a copy of a photograph, her photograph, that they had airbrushed the mask out. And this is the only photograph I ever got. So I'm sitting in front of the president's desk with my hand in the air, mm. I'm holding the mask, showing it to him, and they airbrushed it out. So the picture in my library, I don't know what you would think I'm doing, but people say that's... They airbrushed the mask out. Yeah, it was classified. They gave me the picture of I me. I mean, I've it. seen the picture, but I, you well, can't you, tell. You're, you're seeing the recent pictures because now we can talk about masks. A year ago, I could not tell you this story. It was still considered Why classified. Why could you say it now? Because they, they have allowed it now. Which to me, you know, what does that mean? Uh, sources and methods are classified. This evidently is no longer classified. Perhaps they're not using these anymore. Or maybe they've gotten wow. so good that what I'm saying has nothing to do with the new ones. I think that's more like it. Let me ask you, how many times you guys made masks for... Pre maybe they've gotten so advanced that what I'm talking about doesn't mean anything. For those of you that are just jumping on, that was the former CIA chief disguise expert talking about how she tricked the president wearing a mask 40 years ago. So just imagine what we can do today. So on that note, <laughs> where's Hunter? Well, well, we'll see soon where Hunter is. Uh, well, we've seen him already. We're just not understanding that it's him. So now let's move along to talk about what we really need to talk about today. And we'll start it off with Mark Meadows talking about COVID and what he had to say about uh, this uh, pandemic and uh, what's going on. Take a listen to Faux News. Meadows, a quote from the new Wall Street Journal editorial that was out today says this. Mr. Trump's messaging has caromed from saying the virus isn't a problem to the economy must shut down to crush it to the economy must open and everything will soon go back to normal to barely talking about it as the cases rise. Now his aides are filling the vacuum by attacking the government health expert who sees it as his role to warn of worst case scenarios. This is a mess. And if it continues, Republicans will be routed in November. White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows joins me now. Mark, good to have you with us tonight. Thank it's you for being here. It's great to be here. with you, Martha. Thanks so much. So what do you think about that piece from the Wall Street Journal today? Pretty strong stuff. 
Well, obviously, when we look at, at uh, the coronavirus and trying to deal with it, we've learned a lot over the last four or five months. And, mm -hmm. and sadly, it's a virus that we know that we're still looking for the answers from China in terms of the source of it. But more importantly, we're having to deal with uh, uh, how we make sure that there's proper therapeutics. Uh, we're working very quickly. I just left the Oval Office a few minutes ago as we're looking on uh, at least uh, what we can do from a therapeutics and vaccine standpoint. Yeah. and trying to make sure the American people are, are well informed. But I think the other part that we have is, is really all about trying to make sure that we keep our schools safe, our communities safe. And uh, obviously, um, we've made a, a lot of progress, but there's still a lot well, of work the, to be done. Yeah, it, there is a lot of work to be done. And, you know, when you look at some of the polling, uh, this Quinnipiac poll says that who do you think would do a better job of handling the response to the virus? 59 percent say Joe Biden and 35 percent say President Trump. Um, you've also got feedback from Florida saying that they are now short on PPEs. They're running out of remdesivir. Um, those are some of the areas that they think, I talked to Senator Rubio yesterday, that the federal goal government does have a role in, in allocating resources and making sure that everybody has what they need. How do, you, how do you respond to that? Why isn't that happening? Well, I can tell you that I've, I've actually talked to Senator Rubio. I've talked to Governor DeSantis, and they're fully engaged on behalf of their constituents, whether it is with remdesivir or PPE. Uh, not only did they get a shipment, they're getting another shipment that we've uh, shared with them. But it's all uh, about trying to make sure that the allocation of resources get to the state so that states can do a good job. And, and certainly Governor DeSantis yeah. and Senator Rubio have been doing that. But more importantly than that, Martha, as we start to look at, at really what this is all about, we need to make sure that those individuals that are 75 years of age or older. All right. So here's where we start. This is where it's going to get really good. I'm going to make sure that my commercials don't interrupt and we're good to go. So now this is where it gets good. So here we are um, talking about this. We talked about this before this, the country went on a shutdown. I told you the story of how I was having a seminar, you know, what do they call those one credit classes that we take in, in um, medical school, which is like, you know, where we investigate uh, New England of journal happenings, how I sat down next to this Latin American guy who was doing research showing the correlation between malaria and HIV and um, the virility, etc., I, I was dropping hints because, again, it's all about the methods and they don't need to know my methods. Uh, so I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're really cryptic. Well, you know, I've been planting seeds throughout time uh, everywhere. It's just that, you know, you have to hunt to find where all the hints are. It's, uh, it's difficult. So that way targets aren't painted on backs of people that are speaking truth. Uh, just um, saying, because a lot of people are like, say this, do this. No, you can't. You have to be mindful. There are certain things that are uh, issues of national security. and um, But this that I'm going to talk about, I can, because I can use this. So uh, I want you guys to... Um, learn um, a few medical things today uh, so that you can understand uh, where we are going with this. Have you ever heard of, um, okay, what is the biggest problem that we have when we have the, the um, detention centers, uh, 
for illegal migrants, prisons, um, and in general, gulags for, for whatever, for all intents and purposes. What is it that is the biggest problem? Well, the Federal Bureau of Prison has a clinical guidance, uh, you know, they, they issue clinical guidance all the time. So we'll stick to that. So in this document, and I'll link it up to those um, watching on feeds, uh, it talks about protocols that prisons take for something called licensed scabies. Now, with that in mind, I want you to think of this. So why, first of all, why is it that during the Obama era, Barack Hussein Obama authorized to train pharmacists to treat people. So the treating of people began with giving people flu shots. Yes? Now, pharmacists go through rigorous training. I mean, the, the graduate portion of my studies was done at the College of Pharmacy. I did most of my research through there. They are just as qualified, if not, okay, without touching a patient, they're more qualified, I would say, in some aspects to treat you. But they were actually given permission to put their hands on patients and provide vaccines. Well, just the flu vaccine. So there's three reasons as to why. One, because it is issued by a private company, all data can be collected because this is how they get funding. You provide us data, supposedly anonymous, right? We give you tax breaks, CVS, etc. Two, affordability and ease of access. Sometimes people don't go to the doctor often enough because they're not sick. And those that don't have insurance definitely don't go to the doctor often enough, so they don't get flu vaccines. And number three, incentives. They were giving out gift cards and cash credit and all this free stuff if you come into uh, your local pharmacy and get a flu vaccine. So one thing that I noticed during my CME classes in February, which kind of, you know, made me look into this more, and this was uh, around the 10th of February, was that occupational therapists, uh, physical therapists, um, and pharmacists were now being trained oh, on how to treat scabies and lice. Now, lice. Lice is, a, you know, something that kids get. It's a, you know, a little parasite that jumps on you. It's a little bug and whatever. Now, body lice doesn't occur that often. To have body lice, you have to be in a jam-packed area with not a lot of room to move and very unsanitary conditions. So why would the federal government start training non-patient contact people to treat body lice and scabies? Are they 
predicting that uh, people may indeed be found in closed and highly densely populated closed quarters. Is that it? So one would have to wonder. That's pretty curious, isn't it? I mean, there's no reason for that, is there really? So what is that telling us? That's telling us a very terrifying reality may be coming to fruition. Well, that was their plan. See, like I joked with Millie Weaver, hey, if they ever came and swooped me up because I was sick, I would look around to see who was with me. And if I saw you, I'd know we're both headed to the same place. And I've said this before on air. It would have been to a point where all the dissidents and those that don't comply would be rounded up and taken away and your family would never be able to see you again because you were contagious. Now, we all know that this um, virus (laughs) is supposedly contagious, but isn't contagious. So much misinformation. Now, here's where I'm going to take you to a trip back in time. For those of you listening on air in your car, I'm going to be explaining to you what this woman is showing us. And this is from a very long time ago. Take a listen. I'm in Madison, Georgia. And I wanted to check out the FEMA coffins. And I've taken a lot of pictures. And this is what I've found. And there really are lots and lots of um, grave coffin. So do you remember how everyone said there was a conspiracy theory that Barack Hussein Obama had purchased made mass purchases of mass grave so it would be more than one person in a coffin. Well, this woman actually went down and found them. Liners, but also they would fit. They're pretty big. And they do keep going and going and past that dumpster. So they are real. And next... Stop is the Guidestones. We're on a tour of Georgia. So I'm going to leave that right there. I just wanted you guys to think. Remember how I said Teddy Roosevelt in 1905 met with Japanese leaders, met. He had one of the biggest Asian delegations in time and nobody ever talks about it. And that is where the seeds were planted of splitting the Korean Peninsula and agreeing that they're going to give the North to the Soviets and the South to the Japanese. So, again, this is 2009. Only about, what, 11 years ago. That was a 40-year plan. You think they didn't plan or don't have a plan? Again, We are being distracted with the little things they're doing so we get riled up. The only thing that matters right now is that President Trump is elected. Only thing. Because they're still sticking to their plan. And, you know, what's interesting is uh, what one person had said. Hold on, I'm going to find it because I made note of it. So there's this, um, this guy 
uh, what was his, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember. Um, here we go. I can play the audio for you. I have the audio. I just want you to listen. This is uh, for how this man is saying that there's coffins um, around the nation and how um, Barack Hussein Obama is all about genocide. 39. That began the genocide there. The apparatus 39. That began the so this guy is a um, he's the founder of the LaRouche movement. OK, I just want you to listen to this. President Obama has put in place a reform apparatus. Revi- it's Anton uh, Chekting. Reviving the euthanasia of Hitler Germany in 1939 that began the genocide there. The apparatus here is to deny medical care to elderly chronically ill and poor people, and thus save, as the president says, two to three trillion dollars by taking lives considered not worthy to be lived, as the Nazi doctors said. So, again, oh, this is just, you know, a hype. This is just, well, now I'm going to direct you uh, to see it yourself on the most recent article that I did uh, about... Uh, <laughs> denying care to people that they thought, you know, shouldn't have care. And that is a reality. Uh, because he and, and I am going to show you how Barack Hussein Obama said it himself. Said it himself. So I published this article on June 27, 2020. It was titled Death Panel, 46-year-old father of five refused treatment due to his handicap. Now, due to his handicap, you have to think, what, what kind of handicap did he have? Was he mentally hindered? What was it? Well, here it is. This man was actually left a quadriplegic after CPS, uh, CPS, after CPR was done, and CPS is going to be coming into the scope of what we're going to be discussing, after CPR was done to him uh, back in 2017 and rendered him, uh, you know, a quadriplegic. So the hospital had been paying for all his care and taking care of him. Father of five. So this guy actually went... Uh, to the doctor because he was sick. Uh, And they said that uh, he had contracted coronavirus uh, through a staffer that was taking care of him, you know, uh, clean him, you know, all that stuff. Now, I want you guys to listen to the discussion, just how horrific of a discussion the patient's wife had with his doctor. So as far as we're going to visit if it's if it's a certain criteria, and it's not that we're afraid of side effects, it's that you have to fit a certain criteria. And right now, that criteria is requiring an intubation. So if he if he were to get intubated, then he would be on. Um, but at, at this point, with with the decision is, do we want to be extremely aggressive with his care, or do we want? Uh, do we feel like this this will be futile? And the big question of futility is one that we always question. And the issue is, will this help him improve his quality of life? Will this help him improve anything? And will he? Will it ultimately change the outcome? And the thought is, none of the answer is no to all of those. But why would he say no to all of those? Because as of right now, his quality of life, he doesn't have much of one. What do you mean? 
So because, these are the, because he's four around with a brain injury, he doesn't have a quality of life. Correct. Okay, did you guys hear that? Because he has a brain injury right now and he's paralyzed, he doesn't have a quality of life. The doctor says, correct. Who gets to make that decision whether somebody's quality of life, if they have a disability? Well, it's definitely not me. Quality of life is not good. So it's not me. I don't make that decision. However, it's will it affect his quality? Will it improve his quality of life? The answer is no. So the wife says, this is a recording that the wife had. What do you mean? Who gets to decide what quality of life he has? Oh, it's certainly not me, but will it help him if we give him treatment? The answer is no. There's no improvement with, with being intubated with a bunch of lines and tubes in your body and being on a ventilator for more than two weeks. Each of our people here have COVID and they're in respiratory failure. They've been here for more than two weeks. So they're basically on a ventilator, she says, until they die? If, if I were to be frank, yes. So if somebody doesn't die, are you going to think that that was just... So I can count with one hand, there's three patients that have made it through. But you can count three. Correct. Okay. Correct. Exactly. And I, and I, get, I get your point. Like, there, there are three. However, he doesn't fit those three. Those three are young people that don't have medical problems. This guy is young, but he has a number of medical problems. So just so you know, my uncle is 90 years old. Right. Yeah, probably. Right. He has a bunch of medical problems. He has cancer. So just so you guys understand, she's saying that her uncle's 90 years old, he has cancer, and he was treated for COVID. They were refusing to provide coronavirus treatment for this patient because they said, well, you know, it'll be a bad quality of life. Uh, to sum it up, I just want you to hear the doctor tell her, well, it's not your choice anymore. We're making the decision. The state is. Which is why to me you can't say that though, because right. all the all the directions well, pointed to him as being a risk that he would make it, and he did. And I just had another relative of mine pass away right. who was younger than him. Well, I'm gonna go with the data. I don't go with stories. The stories don't help me. Okay. Me too. So did those three that made it that they get that res dim whatever it's called? They, they did not. No. They just they fought it just on their own with oxygen. With oxygen. And how long were they here? Uh, probably about one and a half to two weeks. Some of them even longer. So. So he's been here now since Tuesday. Right. However, his quality of life is different than theirs. They were walking, talking. People. So his quality of life was different than theirs because they were walking and talking people. Now, keep in mind that this uh, woman, this, uh, the wife of this murdered, right? He's a murder victim. Uh, was uh, talking with him on FaceTime because of coronavirus. If your friend, family member, loved one, child, mother, father, whatever, husband, wife are in the hospital, you're not allowed to be by them because of coronavirus. Okay, pay attention. <laughs> They're killing us. Uh, she uh, was on FaceTime with him. He was nodding. He was responding. He just couldn't talk. Uh, because, you know, he was on oxygen. He wasn't feeling good because he had contracted the flu, the flu. I'll, I'll, I'll delve into this now while she was there saying, Oh, you know, talking to him, kids were looking at him at FaceTime. You know, they were all chit chatting. He was nodding. He was responsive. 
Uh, they're like, well, you know, they're walking. He's not. And I don't mean to be funny or, or abrasive or anything, but at this point, <clears throat> we, we're going to do what we feel like is best for her along with the state. And this is what we decided. Wait a minute. Did you hear that? Well, don't mean to be rude or anything or whatever, but we're just to be frank, uh, we're going to make the best decision for him as the state decided. So what they did was they went to court and a judge gave them the ability to have a power over him. And it was given, guess what, to a company that was paying for the injury that he had received. So they put him in a corner, they sedated him, and starved him to death. Six days, no COVID treatment, nothing, and they let him starve to death while he was awake, while he was able to think, was while he was able to smile and respond to his children. This happened in Texas. So the question is, who the heck is that judge that is on that bench to do that? We should all, Texans should be ashamed that this isn't getting more coverage than it should. This is what they decided. This was Obamacare. Hmm. Not convinced? Well, take a listen to people that were warning you of this. Uh, let's see. Where are they? Don't tell me I missed it. I'm trying to find it. It's not here. We're going to have to re. Well, we can listen to this. There we go. Here we are. I found it. Guys, get ready to walk. Back in time to 2009, where Barack Hussein Obama was pushing his Obamacare and what he had to say about it. It's pretty incredible. You're just going to listen to the first uh, three minutes. It's going to be three minutes that you wish you listened to back then. We have finally decided to fix what's broken about healthcare in America. If you are happy with your plan, if you're happy with your plan, if you're happy with your health care right now, and you are happy with your doctor, happy with your plan and your doctor, you stick with it, we don't want you to have to change. Even if somehow your current plan qualified under the individual mandate that the president supports. And in Massachusetts, thousands of people have had to drop their current insurance and buy a plan that had the benefits the government thought they should have you'd still face the possibility of being forced into the government-run plan, what the president calls a public option. Businesses in particular would have every incentive to dump their workers into the government plan. So even if the president says that he doesn't want you to have to change your health plan, he's going to make that inevitable for millions of Americans. Now, I'm going to take a stop right there before we continue. Back in 2009... I filed a complaint with the Justice Department, and then I filed four complaints in 2010. And every month I would send a complaint in 2011, 2012, 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, and still 20. I have done an episode uh, here on Red State Talk Radio targeting my over 65 listeners and those that have parents that are over 65 to warn them of how they were a target of genocide. So what happened with Obamacare? 
I'll tell you what happened. Original Medicare is out the window. All of you out there that are, you know, in that AARP stage know exactly what I'm talking about. And now there are these private companies like Humana, Aetna, uh, you know, uh, Kaiser, um, um, what's the other one? Oh, I'm trying with the M. Um, Mod- Modella. That's down in Florida. Oh, gosh. So all of these are actually one in the same Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield, HIP, everything. They're all privatized. So what happened is our elderly population is now forced to choose a plan with them. And the way that they coax them is, is that, oh, you're going to be dealing with us rather than original Medicare. Original Medicare actually provides 80% pays 80% of your bills and, um, you know, you're responsible for the other 20%. If you're someone that has saved money or are able to, you can actually get part C the minute you sign on because then you don't have to pay anything. It's 80, 20, uh, but they're carrying it now costing. Uh, yeah, Melina, there we go. Thank you very much. It was Melina. Uh, now they have taken over these plans. These private insurance companies have taken over these plans. And now that Obamacare was full swing in, patients were disallowed to take medications. So for example, if, uh, you were a diabetic, uh, you were taking glucophage, which is a brand name of metformin. And then the insurance company would deny you the ability to have the brand name because, uh, you know, it's not a tier one medication. It's considered a tier four, or tier three, you know, uh, because uh, this is how, uh, you know, they make money, right? They want the generic. And the generics come from uh, pharmaceutical factories, uh, some Teva pharmaceuticals, other pharmaceuticals located in Mexico and China. <laughs> and so... Now, after moving that along, Obamacare has allowed for the Medicare side of things to sign contracts, federal contracts, with pharma- pharmacy companies like CVS and Walgreens. What they like to tell people is called a preferred pharmacy. So now the preferred pharmacies are dispensing these medications that are generic. Then, then... They moved it up a notch. Now we have mail order pharmacy. So if you go and get your metformin from CVS, you're going to pay, and this is hypothetical, uh, you know, $7 for a 30-day supply. But if you get it from us in the mail, you only pay a dollar. Now, when you're a retiree and you're on a fixed income, anything you can save is great, right? And then they start to tell you, hey, your Medicare Part B is $104. You know, that's kind of the median that they have uh, a month. Guess what? We have this company called um, uh, Patient Advocates, right? And they're going to help you not have to pay for that Medicare Part B. It's not Medicaid, but it's uh, (laughs) state-sponsored. So then you're like, yeah, I'd love to save $104 that gets taken out of my Social Security check to keep in my pocket so the state can pay my Part B premium. So there's Part A, B, C, and D. A is hospital. B is uh, medical doctor. C is that gap, you know, that 20%. 
you know, that's pretty much almost non-existent now. And D is for your medications, which by the way, a lot of people don't even know that you have to have part D pharmaceutical coverage insurance or else you get fined even though they don't tell you that you need to have it. And let's pretend for 20 years you didn't have any part D coverage, but suddenly Humana guy knocks at your door and convinces you to sign. You're going to pay a fine for 20 years of not having it. Just saying. So here we are where everyone's in bed together. Okay. And they have targeted our elderly. Well, in 2015, I noticed another trend and I was filing and filing and filing. And every single time I get to speak to someone, I'm like, do not let the random nurse practitioner come to your house. They call you and they say, hi, you have like this great benefit from your insurance company. You're eligible to have a nurse practitioner come to your home. She will examine you, look at all your medications, give you a good full workup, see your blood pressure and answer any questions you may have. Make sure you have all your recent blood work and all your medication bottles there for us so that we can investigate them and document it. And people are like, well, it's free and they're going to come to my house. Now, this is a third party of a third party vendor. I've talked to you about how they use contractors. So this random person that's a telenurse comes up to your home and says, oh, let me check your blood pressure. Oh, yeah. And starts documenting. Now, you're like, oh, they're just doing medication, blood pressure and getting all these documents. No big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. Because apparently your insurance can't know your business. Their job is to simply pay for your expenses. So here in comes, in comes what they're really documenting. Your house. How many steps do you have? Is your house cluttered? Do you live alone? Do you have pets? Do you have this? It's all documented. And then one day, little old Nancy slips in the tub and breaks her hip. Anybody over the age of 50 is, you know, especially for women, because that's where osteoporosis comes in, right? Uh, And you have to go to the hospital. And you're like, well, you know, I have insurance. I've been paying, you know. I would like to get physical therapy at home. Well, yeah, sorry. You're going to rehab. Well, why? I can go home and just do exercise. Yeah, so uh, we've already taken a risk assessment of your home. No, you haven't. You don't know. Well, remember when you let that nurse in? They're not even going to tell you that. They're just going to tell you that your um, insurance is not covering it. That's basically it. That's it. And then you get put into rehab or a nursing home. And this is how they do it. And so I, I am telling you, I have been filing it so many times. It's ridiculous because I, well, I time travel and I knew how they were going to do this. And so, uh, they were trying to take them out. Now this is the one way, right? Now there's another facet to it on the vaccination parts. And that's what we're going to get into Uh, Just after you hear this next bit from this uh, terrible, evil man that had been awarded the right to run our nation. We will have what's called a... Uh, an exchange, but you can also think of it as a marketplace. When most people think of a health insurance exchange, they think, I give money to an insurance company, they give me financial protection if I get sick. What President Obama means by a health insurance exchange is, you exchange the coverage you have right now for a health plan designed by the government, a doctor you don't know, and a government bureaucrat telling you whether you're going to get the care you want. There is a whole bunch of care that's being provided that every study 
Every bit of evidence that we have indicates may not be making us healthier. But you don't know and, what that test is. Well, oftentimes we do, though. Uh, there are going to be situations where there are going to be disagreements around, uh, among experts. But oftentimes we do know what makes sense and what doesn't. One-size-fits-all approaches don't work in medicine. What makes sense for the average patient might not make sense for you. So if a treatment doesn't work for the average patient, it might work in your circumstances, but those are the treatments that President Obama is talking about eliminating. We're also going to have to do is start looking at Medicare reimbursements, Medicaid reimbursements, working with uh, doctors, working with nurses to figure out how can we incentivize quality of care, a team approach to care that will help raise and elevate the profile of family care physicians and nurses as opposed to just the specialists who are typically going to make more money if they're getting paid fee for service. What the president is talking about is increasing access to primary care by rationing access to specialty care. Now that's fine if you're one of those patients who only needs primary care. But if you're one of those patients that needs specialty care, then your health is going to be harmed. Huh. Your health is going to be harmed if you need specialty care. Now, you think death panels aren't a thing? You think there aren't legislations about it? Well, here's an article I wrote a very long time ago, and this is where Oregon had passed a bill to legalize starving mentally ill patients so they die faster. This is not a joke. I actually published this uh, March 2019 and, you know, uh, sat there showed how, what, when, and they starved a woman to death, and it is legalized by them to do so. The governor of Oregon signed this bill. This is extremely inhumane and uh, very anti-American. We're supposed to be looking after our elderly. Now, I'm going to take you on a really wild ride uh, because what people don't seem to understand is what a flu vaccine really is. Now, a flu vaccine, as you know, they tell us is um, and, you know, for anyone saying, well, how do you know? Well, I went to school and um, I was actually working as a molecular biologist. I d did my own research and I've taken virology and I worked at the College of Pharmacy and, 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 and. So I kind of know what I'm talking about when I tell you how they compose these. There's live viruses and dead viruses and, you know. Uh, something changed in 2018. See, this is where you can see it. Something changed in 2018 that no one talked about. And that's something that a lot of parents know as booster shots. But the booster shots weren't for us. They were for the elderly and for everyone else that was taking a vaccine. Now, I'm going to take you back in time to um, the influenza, well... Just listen to it yourself so you can listen to what they were telling people in 2012 from the CDC. So take a listen. Oops. I think I have muted the man. This video is intended for general audiences as well as physicians and other health care providers. Today I'll provide answers to several common questions patients have regarding the flu vaccine. I would like to begin with the question, why should I get a flu vaccine? CDC recommends a yearly flu vaccine for everyone six months and older as the first and most important step in protecting against the flu. Now let's stop there. In 2018, that changed. 
In 2018, they created something called like group vaccines uh, that had uh, more than just one virus in them. And it was uh, something that they needed to do, apparently, because, you know, influenza A and B. Now, I've talked about this before of how people that have COVID or are positive for COVID are because they have received the flu vaccine. Now, one thing you need to understand is what also happened is that we had incentives uh, that started, obviously, back in 2010 for our over 65 population. Hey, you get a free gift card if you go down to XYZ and get your vaccine. You'll get $25. Hey, I'm calling from this and, I, um, and I'm partnering with your insurance company. Always third vendors if you ask them. Are you calling for my insurance company? Guess what? If you actually answer that, they have to say no. Um, Matrix Medical contracts with, huh? There you go. They're not even doing it so they can pass the blame to someone else. This is how far removed they are. This is what I'm trying to explain. Remember how I said I was a contractor. Why? Because I'm not afforded the same. And if ever, you know, the U.S. got caught, it's like, I don't know who she is. Like, uh, she's a contractor, rogue. Yeah, that's how they do it. Contractors do all the dirty work because they can't be directly linked. Like, that's the way it always is. It's plain and simple. So think about it. Why would they suddenly start to say that you need a booster shot in 2018 for influenza A and B? And why is it that 100% of those that got coronavirus had a flu vaccine or pneumonia vaccine? that they highly recommend for patients over 65 every 10 years. This is what you need to ask yourself. But in the meantime, let's listen to what the CDC in 2012 had to say to educate us on how important it is. The flu is a serious disease that can lead to hospitalization and sometimes even death. Each year in the United States, more than 200,000 people on average are hospitalized from flu-related complications. Flu seasons are unpredictable and can be severe. Over a period of 30 years, between 1976 and 2006, CDC estimates flu-associated deaths range from a low of about 3,000 during the year with the lowest number of estimated deaths to a high of about 49,000 people during the year with the highest number of estimated deaths. Even healthy children and adults can get very sick from the flu and spread it to family and friends. The next question is, what does seasonal flu vaccine protect against? While there are many different flu viruses, the flu vaccine protects against the three viruses that research suggests will be most common. This includes an influenza A H1N1 virus, an influenza A H3N2 virus, and an influenza B virus. The next question is, should I get the flu shot or the nasal spray vaccine? Okay, you heard that, right? Influenza A, influenza B, right? So now I'm going to stop Mr. Fauci's uh, 2012 announcement via this uh, CDC officer and share with you uh, the statistics from the CDC in 2018. I know a lot of people can't find most of this stuff, but, you know, you can find it sometimes. So it talks about the vaccine effectiveness, 
And it talks about the U.S. flu data from 2018 to 2019. And it shows uh, the patients that were enrolled in this cohort and, um, you know, what percentage they made of the cohort. So we had children as young as six months old to eight years old in one cohort, nine to 17, 18 to 49, 50 to 64, and 65 plus. The majority of the testing pool uh, was uh, 18 to 49 years old and six months to eight years. Uh, they had more females being tested than males at a 60-40. 60% were female and 40% um, were male. And a really weird um, demographic here that 69% uh, of all that were in this test pool were white. 11 were black and not Hispanic, and 10% Hispanic and other non-Hispanic, you would say Asian. Now here it says uh, the type of virus. So influenza A, listen to this, had H3N2, H1N1, a version PDM09, and not subtyped. Again, not subtyped, unknown strain. And then influenza B. B. Yamagata, B. Victoria, and lineage not determined. I'm just uh, trying to uh, show the numbers. There's um, another uh, portion of it where it demonstrates the effectiveness that these vaccines have uh, when they have been taken. And this is showing, um, you know, just how effective... <laughs> Or ineffective, I would say they are. Now, the reason I'm showing you this is to understand something. Now, with coronavirus, we have a lot of um, disturbing things coming into fruition. We're seeing that suddenly there's going to be state-specific coronavirus laws, which means that every state will dictate what the laws are in regards to this flu, this virus. And I'll say this again, even fraud Fauci and President Trump have been sending you a very clear message when they're not wearing their masks, and that is you do not need to wear a mask. They're telling you this, that there is nothing there. Another thing you have to see is that the minute the president uh, said that hydroxychloroquine was the drug that they were using, and this is good, do you know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Every single physician out there, every single nurse, and you know it, asked to get themselves, uh, you know, a box of hydroxychloroquine. That was the hottest thing ever. They bought it up like nobody's business. But states and even the Democrats, and even the mainstream media jumped on it to do what? To push us away from it and even reprimand doctors and nurses and nurse practitioners that would even bother to prescribe it if they dare prescribe it. Now, as we know, uh, it was a steady what? thirty to 40,000 deaths Every year, right? I would say it was about 50,000 just to top it off, right? That they would die from the seasonal flu. In 2018, 
where the CDC suddenly changed their idea and they started to push what? Booster shots to prevent against all diseases. Booster shots. Well, guess what? They started giving out second doses of the flu shot across the nation. Why did they do this? Think as to why would they all this time we're getting one and then they're giving a booster. And as the booster came in, what did we see? The deaths doubled. They went to 80,000, 80,000. So 2018 to 2019, people were getting two flu shots, boosters as they would call them. And then from 2019 to 2020, again, two shots. So we've got four different doses of this unknown lineage, non-determined lineage, and these other influenzas that they threw in there. Now, a lot of, uh, uh, I know that this is going to be so demonetized, might even be banned, uh, but viral shedding is a real thing. And the fact that people are saying that it's not is horrific, horrific. So viral shedding is where people that get a vaccine start to spread uh, the virus because they're, they have a lot of it, right? And they're fighting it. And so people were actually tested after being injected with a flu vaccine, how they shed. And do you know who sheds more? Children. This is why, you know, when your kids go to school, And, um, you know, everybody's sick and it's like from August or September when school starts up until November, there's boogers, you know, there's lice, right? There's everything. Every parent knows you've been there with your kids, right? So here we are where they've actually increased the amount of this foreign, uh, you know, virus in the system with these boosters, This is atrocious. Now, I want you to think. They stuck to the plan. And they had purchased coffins for it, too. And now, the contact tracers will be coming to find you and everyone else around you. And we're starting to see how they're taking people. Oh, you can't get better at home. You need to come to another facility. See? This is where it's going. This is how they want to push it along. This is how they determine who lives and dies. I am terrified. Terrified. I know I have to go to the doctor to refill a medication. I know I have to go to the doctor and get checked out. I know I have to because I have to because of my health status. I am terrified to do so. I have family and friends that had gone into the hospital Uh, Their family members that have gone into the hospital that were sick and suddenly they stay. Why are they taking our tests? Why do they force people to take a coronavirus test? This is what you have to look at. This is how they know who and what. Again, why are they training non-hands-on people like pharmacists, Like, well, our occupational therapists touch you, but they're not allowed to treat you. But why are they now training people to treat body lice? Body lice isn't a thing unless you're in closed quarters. 
I want you to understand that they've targeted our elderly for years. I, I've, I've talked about this before. I've talked about it in foreign language shows too uh, because those that speak foreign languages, uh, you know, that are American citizens, but they came, you know, fresh off the boat. Their English is like really mishmash. I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, I highly recommend anybody that speaks English as a second language. I don't care how good your master of the language is. Ask for a medical interpreter. Ask. Because none of them know this. None of them know this. None of them know that the person they're sending into their house is a voluntary thing. They're made to feel like it's obligatory. Uh, the questionnaire, oh, we're just doing a health questionnaire and then the case manager will call you. Documenting, documenting, documenting. So they know how to target you. I'm telling you, like the minute they say, oh, we've got a COVID vaccine and if a kid wants to come to school, they got to do it. I'm a Jehovah Witness. Done. I don't do blood products. Done. You know, the way flu vaccines work is to supposedly give you a dead virus so your body can train. But that less than 1% that we saw, right, that small amount of, how do they call it, not subtyped or lineage not determined of a virus. So it's a triple, but they're not telling you what the other one is. Could be live. You don't know. And the fact that they're cultivating it in aborted fetal cells, another issue. But now they've gone completely into the portion of their using plasma. So it's a blood-derived product. And my show earlier this week, and I hope you go back and watch it, demonstrated it to you. And again, obviously, YouTube wanted me to clip out portions of Octopharma. I kid you not. They're like, you're ineligible. This is like a strike. Nee, nee, nee. Um, I want you guys to see it. It's very important that you understand what, it, what their plan was. So while all of us are fighting and saying, oh, I'm not seeing arrests. I'm not doing this. It is time to get loud. It is time to speak up. And it is time to make sure that man stays in office, period. That should be the only goal. Let him get reelected and let it be because he is walking a very fine line of people that do not want him in office because he has thrown the biggest wrench in their plans. Remember the FEMA coffins. Remember that. And if you think, oh, well, that was 11 years ago. Think 40 years before they split North Korea and South, before they split the Korean Peninsula. They had already made the deal. Remember that. So I'll see you guys tonight on the live Q&A. So on that note, God bless from all of us here, Red State Talk Radio. I'll see you all on Monday, same time, same place. Have a great weekend.